This is Vinny Masana, and you're listening to the Bottom Line Podcast. All right, welcome to episode 111 of the Bottom Line Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle. Alongside of me is my co-host, Steve, and my other co-host, Pat Knight. Make sure you go subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud by searching Always Up To Something. And you can also watch the full version of each podcast on our YouTube page. Next, give our sponsor Always Up To Something to follow on Instagram at underscore Always Up To Something underscore. And use promo code TBLPOD on alwaysuptosomething.store for 10% off any purchase. Once again, that's TBLPOD on alwaysuptosomething.store for 10% off any purchase. And finally, you can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at bottomline underscore pod. And without further ado, we welcome back recurring guest, Vin Masana. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. I liked how you added the recurring in there. <laughs> Just right, like sir. Yep. After you're on once, it's recurring, right? So we could officially say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, welcome back, man. Um, so how's uh, how's quarantine life treating you? What uh, before we get into the lack of sports, how's this everyday life for you? I mean, it it's awful. I think uh, everybody can agree, but um, I think I'm a little bit privileged being out in in Southampton, so there's a little bit more uh, freedom. I live you know, like a, a mile or a mile away from a beach. So I kind of have, I don't have much to complain about in that sense, but I mean, uh, it has affected every other aspect of daily life. So it makes up for a little bit of it, but everything else has been uprooted, including, you know, my business and my, uh, entire interest in sports, which I'm sure we'll get to, but, uh, right. you know, so- it, it's not, it, it could be worse, but I would definitely have preferred uh life before this <laughs> right what uh wh- how do you kind of see it uh generally speaking is it something that is kind of like uh are you fearing kind of that how this is going or is it do you have an optimistic outlook because frankly you know everyone has their own reason and their own opinion and to be honest with you they're all fucking right you know no one really <laughs> knows so like yeah. if, if you if you're if you're looking at it half empty you're pretty much right if you're looking at a half full you're pretty much right but what's your mind yeah. this well i'm life? glad yeah Steel. i'm glad you asked that honestly i mean my fiance is a nurse and she's in school to be a nurse practitioner so she's got um uh more insight i think than the average person and um you know she's at a small hospital out here it's called stony brook southampton so it you know it's still indicative of what's going on but it's a little different in, in the sense that they were never like overwhelmed running out of hospital beds uh partially because they they doubled the capacity back in march um governor cuomo you know made it mandatory for all the hospitals to do that but they were never like what you saw on on the news with Elmhurst or um, mm-hmm. Mount Sinai or Bellevue. I think the city definitely got it, you know, the the worst of it. So to answer the question, I'm definitely more optimistic. I mean, I watch the press conferences every day, so I see the numbers. And today was the first day that was under 200 deaths. So, I mean, it sounds uh, crazy to think that that's a, that's a good sign. But compared to where we were... I mean, 161 deaths a month ago, it was 700 every single day. Um, the numbers overall are down. And, um, you know, she's she seems to be in better spirits today. She said uh, it wasn't really overwhelming. And also a lot of the, the stuff you're hearing now is kind of better news than what was a month ago, where it seemed like, oh, anybody can get it or, you know, people are dying at a crazy rate. It does seem like, um, you know, even with the, the study with Major League Baseball yesterday, it said, what, less than 1% of the MLB employees got it. So I'm optimistic. I think that, um, 
and one other thing about it is she had mentioned um, early on during this that um, it would take about eight weeks for it to run its course. And when you think about it, I think like around St. Patrick's Day was when it started to really uh, infiltrate Long Island. So we're at about eight weeks right now. So I think that was kind of accurate. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, because I, I think you're right there. And, uh, it's been two um, months since the NBA suspended. So it's about right. Yeah, that's right about long. Yeah, and we could, and and just to you know be more to be realistic is that it still could come back. But I think that with all the uh, social distancing stuff that they've implemented, as long as people aren't going to go full Florida and ignore it, I think we'll uh, you know we're going to avoid disaster. Right. Um, I mean, and and my wedding is in September, so we're a little bit nervous. But they have uh, give us the assurance that they think. You know, fingers crossed that they'll be back to doing weddings August 1st, mm-hmm. which is interesting because really they don't really talk about that. I mean, you think right. about it, there's probably a, a million people that are that are, have weddings set for for 2020. And, you know, anybody that was in the first half of the year has already had to reschedule. So we're kind of in that, you know, wait and see approach. But for us, I think, um, you know, it sounds like we'll be OK, but we don't know. Well, well. God bless, good health, especially uh, Thank you. especially to your significant other. And um, and listen, if you if you guys been together and you and you plan to get married, I'm sure you guys can wait a few more months if it does uh, happen to get rescheduled. I, I hope that doesn't change too much for you guys. You know, I hope we no, we got a uh, both yeah, feel the same way. We actually got a backup date already. They gave us August of 2021, but okay. you know, I really don't want it to come down to that. Right. But it was nice yeah. that the place has been great. They they told us, you know, you don't have to pay for for another date. You know, if it comes down to it, you know, um, it's yours. So it, it is a little reassuring to know that it wouldn't be a total disaster. And last last uh, last opinion on the whole COVID situation. Uh, how do you think life's going to be different when they do kind of restrict or lift the restrictions that they've placed on us? Do you think that, uh, that, cause personally, I don't think it's going to jump right back into normal. Like once they do lift these restrictions, but what's your opinion on it? Do you think that, uh, people are going to probably maybe look at this as an eye opening experience. And then when they're in a store, they're going to look around more and be like, shit, these people are really close mm. to me. Or like, yeah. let me make sure that if I cough or I sneeze or, or if I'm sick, even, and I know I'm sick that day that I make sure I wear a mask in public. But do you think that those things are going to happen or what's your mindset on it? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think average uh, overall, New Yorkers are pretty smart and cognizant. I mean, when you go out in public, I think the average person is, you know, pretty aware of, of what's going on. And, and they're not uh, going to forget about that when if they all of a sudden say you're allowed to do to do stuff um, when it comes to activities that people like to do i mean that's definitely not going to go back to normal you know um from from the indication i get is that most of the restaurants bars are going to have a a maximum capacity of it could be as little as 25 percent in the beginning maybe 50 percent and gradually work its way up and i don't know if it'll ever go back to you know being stuffed like sardines in a place so from that aspect i think it's definitely going to change the way uh or everyday life went about but I think other than that, I mean, everything could eventually or or very soon get back to a semblance of order. I mean, people are not going to not go to grocery stores. They're not going to stay bunkered down. I think schools will go back in session. I think that'll be the, the biggest, the next biggest thing that everyone wants right. to know. It's like, you know, there's what, 1.5 million college kids in, in um, you know, the Northeast alone. So, like, what are they going to do? 
in in September? Are they going to come back? I mean, people want to go back to school, so I think they're going to force their hand because of tuition. Um, and then college football season, people want to know about. So I'm really interested to see how that plays out. Um, I think when push comes to shove, parents aren't going to pay fifty thousand dollars for uh, you know Penn State or whatever tuition if they're going to be sitting at home you know online. So I think there's going to be a big push to get the kids back to uh, to campus. Yeah, and to your whole school point, I heard, uh, and I know you just kind of hit on the college kids, but uh, just to piggyback and go a little deeper with that, I heard a crazy stat the other day that blew my mind, and this is from the New York Times, yeah, New York Times, that one in five kids right now are going hungry in the United States, not, not outside the United States, that's here, okay? Like, don't think that this is in some foreign country that we don't talk, we don't speak their, no, no, this is here. So I was like, wow, that's insane. And they also said that prior to this COVID situation, it was one in seven, which to me oh. is still high, you know? Yeah, way too like, high. Like, it should be zero. But anyway, <laughs> we could have that conversation all day. But mm-hmm. the reasoning and the main point of this article was that the reason it went for that it took that big jump when we got this is that they close the schools and a lot of these kids depend on the meals that they get from schooling unfortunately to get mm-hmm. their nutrition for a day so yeah. it, it's really it's really insane how the college stuff yes because it's a high level and and there's a lot of money involved but these public schools for younger kids i mean think about the situation where someone now has their kids at home and they're not working. So they're home, but all of a sudden their job says, listen, we need you back on Monday. And now they have their kids at home and they're not going to school yet, you know? So like that's going to happen to millions and millions of households across America. And fucking, we got to figure out what's going to go on with that stuff. So, yeah, I think out here they have, um, they're allowing kids that, that need it They They have the kitchen open at the schools from what I've heard. So um, you know, bravo to whoever green lighted that because, mm-hmm. um, you know, the last thing that should happen is kids become a victim, you know, from this that's completely out of their hands. But yeah, it's, it's a multi layered problem. I mean, and, and New York is unique in the sense that, you know, you got the billionaires and the millionaires running businesses, but you also have a lot of people living under the po- poverty line. You have people, you know, six, six people living under a roof or six families in a household. So that's the re- reason why it has affected New York the mm-hmm. way it does, whereas, or I should say New York City, because you look at, you know, upstate New York or, you know, Onondaga County, for example, like, you know, it's it's tiny and it's spread out. So they really haven't been affected and they're going to open up uh, on the 15th. So you knew, New York is just such a, a, a different animal, you know, and, and, you know, all eyes are on, on it right now, it seems. And I definitely agree with the fact that they should be opening up the places that aren't affected as much and yeah. folk putting more focus into these places that uh, that definitely need it because it just allows more time and resources and, I guess, people power to work on this stuff. But yeah. we could talk about it all day. We had you on here because you're a sports guy, we're a sports guy, and right now we have nothing. <laughs> I, I, uh, I loved the UFC. I don't know if you're a UFC fan. But the UFC fights the other day were amazing, absolutely amazing. They did a fantastic job. I, I honestly, like, again, we had spoken about it a lot leading up to it. They 
just did a great job at a time where people really needed something to look forward to. And I'll speak for myself is that I couldn't wait for them to happen. And it went perfect. And the fights were insane. So that that was really cool to see back. And it's also nice to hear that that Dana White had been contacted by a lot of the major sports leagues to, to ask them how or like, what would you do to make this smoother or this, that, and the third. And it seems like he's open to helping them as well. Um, so for you, what's your, generally speaking, before we nitpick, what's your mind on the sports world, you know, the cancellations and I guess um, anything, just generally speaking, regarding the fact that right now we have nothing. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll say I'm not a big UFC guy, but obviously I, uh, you know, I was following along what was going on. You know, Dana White is brilliant and he's also, you know, super ambitious. He's, you know, he's like that, got that Elon Musk in him where he's going to, you know, figure out a way to make things happen. I mean, the huge advantage that I have is in a sport like that, like, you know, there's only two guys involved. So it was a lot easier to to make it happen. There wasn't 30, 30 owners that had to get on board. So um, if there was any any sport that could take advantage of having an ambitious commissioner or owner. It was definitely the UFC. And from what I heard, everybody loved the fight. So it went off without a wrinkle. As far as the other sports go, I mean, I'm definitely a baseball football guy, first and foremost. Um, It seems like football, I mean, I always joke that like Goodell made a deal with the devil. Everything works out in his favor. I mean, you got 53 guys on every roster and there's 30 teams and somehow only two players tested positive. Nobody was affected significantly. Only one coach was affected by it, Sean Payton, and he is already back to full health. Um, Their biggest rival, the XFL, went out of business because of it. The draft went on without a wrinkle and 15 million people watched it. Um, And if anything, this could end up being even a bigger boon for uh, NFL's business if they're the only sport that's going on at that time let's just say so everything that they touch turns turns to gold and i'm probably even forgetting other things but those are really the biggest things i mean their their rivals went out of business and they've found a way to make more money on it which is just comical so i think they'll probably do it uh you know close close to um to spectators to start at least uh until they know for sure that that things are going to be okay and then maybe they'll do like the socially distant uh, spectators and the fans, maybe like a third capacity, and then eventually, I can't imagine them playing a Super Bowl with with uh, thirty thousand people in the stands. That will be it will be maximum capacity, I'm sure. <laughs> and then in baseball, I mean, they're they seem to be trending in the right direction. From baseball is killing up. me, man. Yeah, like, right. And they're they're yeah. killing me. Like, how do you, how, bro? The dude is like fucking fifty feet away from you. Like, no <laughs> one's ever standing next to each other. Like, other than when someone's keeping them close on first, second, or third, like, no one's fucking near each other. Get the I guys know. out. And Come it does on. seem, it seems like they're trending in the right direction. Um, what I've heard is that they're, they're pushing for, like, a June 10th spring training. Obviously, they have to give the guys an opportunity to get back to full strength. And then um, 4th of July opening day, I mean, that would be awesome. Like, that would really invigorate, I think, the life into the sport, into America. There's just... You know, you can say about the sport dying or it's catered to old people. But, I mean, there's still a lot of so-called old people out there. I guess people between, I don't know, 25 and, and 75 that will, uh, you know, be counting down the days until opening day. So I, I know it's, 
frustrating that it hasn't started and and really it's not a contact sport and they could even implement things that make it even less invasive like maybe not having pickoff attempts at first base or you know no mound visits or having the umpire behind the pitcher well help me out here because you're you're a baseball guy and this is and i'm not even a big baseball fan there's other sports that come first i like the i like football i like the ufc i like golf but i like baseball frankly um it just irks the shit out of me because I feel like if you put me in a room with those guys and I was like, listen, why aren't we just having the essential players in the dugout, everyone else chilling? There should have been no reason why this got delayed. You know, everyone, obviously, you just need to spread shit out. You know, you can't have the entire team waiting in the fucking locker room. Got to have some in one conference room, some in another, spread spread everyone out. I don't know the rules exactly, but I, I would let them say that. But it does not seem like such a far-fetched idea to have was it the ten or nine guys in the baseball field, uh, and and maybe a sub or two in in the dugout with one or two coaches. Like there's mm-hmm. not much needed. Like you said, no pickoffs. You know, maybe no steals or minimal leading. You know, whatever. Um, my point is, is that it just seems like there could just be minor adjustments that could have been made in one meeting. You know, like put me and you in the room with the rest of those guys. I guarantee that we could come up with a couple solutions. You know, and you and we, me and you aren't experts. Well, I get your frustration, but um, I think that like making like a high school season go on would definitely be easier. Um, I would say that in the case of a big business, they have to number one worry about what the the optics of it look like you know if there was you know uh mass casualties in an individual city it definitely comes across as uh being greedy if if they're looking to get back on the field before the public deems it to be safe or the experts deem it to be safe so i think that was number one number two is when you have 30 owners you know it's hard if for all us four to get on the same page with something imagine it 30 people that have, you know, billions of of (coughs) billion dollars in their bank account or maybe on the line, they probably don't agree with anything, everything. So really, it comes down more to the collective bargaining. And that's even if they get the owners on the same page. Let's say they all did get on the same page. Like today, they they announced that they they let they all agreed to whatever an 82 game season. There's going to be seven teams in each league make the playoffs, which is an addition from the past. Um. Now they need to get the players to agree to it. And there's no guarantee that they're going to agree to it because they're probably going to have to take a, uh, a pay cut because there's not going to be paying customers. So right. it um, that's really what happened. I think there's, there's just too many people that need to be on the same page when it comes to the massive decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear you. So, uh, so are you excited or are you disappointed? What's your what's your mindset going into the baseball season? I'm definitely excited. I'll never they'll never lose me as a fan. I know they always talk about like you know the the games are too long and whatever like the steroids <laughs> the, the steroid scandal the cheating scandal with the Astros losing fans like they're not at risk of losing me as a fan. I'm always going to be excited. Um, I think that starting the season when it's warm and on Fourth of July, I mean I would be doing jumping jacks when they announce that just because. Even at baseline, I'm excited for opening day. And then you factor in that we haven't had it since October and that, um, you know, it would coincide with the most American holiday. I just think it would be it would be great. And, you know, like the average person, I don't want them to push it if they're going to I don't want them to stop it. Really, that's what it comes down to. If they're going to push it and then it comes out that 
they're going to have to press pause and, and cancel the season and then put 2021 at risk. Like, it's not worth it. But mm-hmm. Dr. Fauci and all these guys say, look, um, we're pretty confident about the direction that it's headed in. If you can sequester the players, they're not really at risk and come up with some sort of plan. And then also that they're going to get proper testing and it's not going to come at the expense of, you know, people like you and I, if we were to get sick then by all means start it up. So it's just a matter of when the right time is going to do it. And again, they're not, they're not in any, uh, they're not looking to have the whole season canceled. Like too many people would be out of jobs. Baseball owners are greedy by nature. So the last thing they want to do is, uh, is have the season canceled, especially look at the, the hometown Mets over here. They're hurting for money. So they can't, they can't operate without revenue for a whole season. So what uh, I'm going to, set up a situation for you and i think we spoke about this briefly a while ago when you were on here but we could have a more revised conversation uh so you're the commissioner of the mlb tomorrow okay mm-hmm. and the nfl the ml the nfl the uh, nba uh they do a great job of this and if i said to you the first thing that you need to do as commissioner of the mlb is your first main objective or worry is to build these stars up and and try to and try to uh, build the characters of the individuals and of the players and and promoting um, and and doing like what the NFL does with their players or the NBA does with their players with a very players first mindset kind of thing at least to the public. What what would how do you fix that for the MLB because they do they they just do such a it seems like they, they limit their players to so much and especially their content on social media. But what, yeah. what, uh, what would, what are some things that would stick out to you and how do you fix those problems? Because I feel like if they could mm-hmm. start to do that, then, you know, even if there wasn't baseball, you could do some more stuff that can entertain the fans, you know? Yeah. They were so late to the party. I mean, the, the, the one thing that everybody can agree to is that they've been, very draconian when it comes to sharing their content on social media. They felt the need to have a, a monopoly on it. Everything needed to filter through them. And they even went to the point of, you know, banning certain individuals from posting their videos if it didn't have the MLB watermark. So, you know, uh, assuming we can't go back in time and change what they did, they can only go forward. What they need to do is allow it to be shared on social media. So that's number one. They need to let the average, you know, 16-year-old kid that's perusing on Twitter all day be able to see it. And I think they have, you know, finally figured that out there. You know, they have what, whoever, you know, a college kid running their Snapchat account. So they're, they've definitely opened their eyes to that. Um, I think, so that was number one, is allowing the, the, you know, pull back the curtain of the game on social media. So that they've adjusted. Um, Number two is, for whatever reason, the best players don't participate in the biggest competition, which is the World Baseball Classic, which they just announced today that they're actually already canceling the 2021 World Baseball Classic, which I think is crazy because it's so early and it's not until March of next year. So they're not doing that for until 2023, which is nuts. But um, if that's the case, then they need to get baseball into the Olympics because they need to have a, a more of a global presence. Like we saw in the last dance when Michael Jordan went to, you know, Paris, he was a recognizable figure and he was like the Beatles. So in order for that to happen, they need to um, introduce the players outside of the. I hate to cut you off. 
but I'm now picturing when you said that in my head, like, mm-hmm. you're so right. If you picked Aaron Judge up and dropped him at the base of the Eiffel Tower, I bet <laughs> you maybe 10, 15 people recognize him. Huh. Yeah. yeah, they need to yeah, they need to be on the on the grand stage. So make now that they're not having the World Baseball Classic, have have baseball back in the Olympics. But even when they had the World Baseball Classic, for whatever reason, Mike Trout wasn't in it. You know, Marcus <laughs> Roman, even though he's a um, a local favorite out here on Long Island, you know, he was the number one pitcher on Team USA. I mean, he's not the best pitcher in baseball. He's probably, you know, the fiftieth or sixtieth best starting pitcher in baseball well maybe chill 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 we we love him out here we love him out here (laughs) all right let's say he's let's say he's top 10 but why is why was jacob de grom not in in, on the world baseball classic or clayton kershaw so that was those guys are that's different that's a completely different ball game yeah 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 that's all i mean is that they didn't they don't have they don't mandate that the best players participate in it um so i think they need to uh, push for that. I mean, I know it's more wear and tear on their body. Um, so they, they definitely need to make that a point and then they need to embrace gambling. I think that would be huge the way the NFL is. I mean, you have kids that aren't even fans of individual teams. They just root for their fantasy team. I mean, I think I had mentioned this to you guys last time, but I think it would be awesome if they let people bet on, on batting practice. I think people would make money on that, you know, home runner out that every time. Um, you know, bet on on what's going to happen next. Have, be able to bet on the next play. There's there's no reason why they can't do something like that. It's not it's not the uh, the players uh, compromising the integrity of the game. It's just people, you know, potentially having more fun and putting more money into the into their funnel, into their whole economy, the baseball economy. So I think those would be the biggest things because it would allow. The, the, the one with social media uh, allows the players to pull back the curtain and show the, the masses who they are by having number two is by putting the game out there on a global stage and having the best players participate in the world baseball classic. It's, it's really showing the world like this is our best athletes. This is you know what they bring to the table. And then by gambling, it brings in more money and it gets people addicted and it gets you know, the, the mediocre, or I should say the lukewarm fan gets them more interested in it. So I think it kind of touches on all things that they need to improve on. Yeah. Cause you know, for me, I kind of look at it like if we had this podcast and had you on here and I told you that you were allowed to talk, but you can't tell anybody who you are, you know, mm-hmm. like, I think it, that's what the, that's what the MLB is doing. And, and I think they really need to start to let people promote themselves. It, it, uh, the players, I'm sure, can't wait to do it because it only lets them make a little more money and get more fans. But yeah. uh, but in my opinion, it just seems like it, they they just need to do so much more stuff. Um, well, Marcus also- is definitely the um, the opposite of that. What baseball has been, you know, baseball forever has been like, you know, this boys club that you know didn't want anybody to to step outside the lines or the color outside the boxes and. Marcus marches to the beat of his own drum. I mean, I'm sure there's players that it rubs the wrong way in the clubhouse, you know, the older savvy vets or whatever. But, um, you know, he's he is a veteran now. He's 29 years old. And, you know, uh, I'm sure he's influencing the younger athletes like on the Mets. You know, they're they're a little bit of an older team, but there's a lot of 
you know, impressionable guys. So if they see this is the way Marcus builds his brand and that whole idea of a brand is new to baseball. That never was the case. I mean, could imagine how much money, you know, Mickey Mantle would have been able to make if he could run his own, you know, brand on, on social media. And if he could have his own bottle of vodka, like I'm sure he would have liked, or, you know, it just, uh, it allows people to make more money and it brings uh, more interest to the average fans. And Marcus is, brilliant in that respect i'm pretty sure he has his he got a, a degree in entrepreneurial on uh, entrepreneurship from from duke so he knows how to build up his own brand you see he tags hdmh and everything um you know for for i'm sure the curmudgeon fans they don't like to say it because he kind of separates himself from the team in that regard but it's smart because if baseball is taken away from him he's going to be able to profit off of his likeness long after somebody tells him he's not allowed to play baseball anymore but it's also just another thing that he could carry from team to team with him, you know, and I'm sure that yeah. has a lot to do with it. But uh, I'll I'll flip it over to Kyle. I'm sure he's got some shit he wants to bounce off you. Yeah. yeah, you guys haven't been chiming in. What's the deal? I, I do. I do, actually. You actually answered – you just answered one of my questions about Strowman. So as, as you know, um, or if you don't know um, – Vin is a Steve, just like all of us. Um, if you go back and listen to our first interview with him, uh, we, we dive into all Mike stuff and all that. Um, but he also uh, did a podcast with Marcus Stroman's father, which is very cool, and everyone should go check that out. Um, and um, so, yeah, I was just – I don't think we've we've talked since Marcus got traded to the Mets, but I, I, I just wanted to get your thoughts on, on, on what you think. If there is you know a season, how do you think he'll – pan out there i was a little disappointed to get traded to the red sox but it seems mm-hmm. like they're going in an opposite direction right now yeah they needed to uh to actually cut some spending i think but yeah it actually was funny because when i when i heard about that i was on a cruise and that was when i was going to propose that weekend so my uh mentality was like i was trying to separate from you know my business i didn't really want to think about it at all and i had um you know i actually gave one of my my reporters, the uh, the password to the website, which I never do because I was like, look, I'm not going to be able to edit stuff like, you know, it, it's your job. And then um, sure enough, my phone blows up. I think I get a I forget who texted me and was like, Stroman got traded to the Mets. And I was like, no way. Like that would have been like content heaven for me. You know, the, the biggest name player from here get traded to the local team during a pennant race. Like it was huge news. And um, I think I was about to get a. Um, I was about to get a massage. We had like a, a thing booked, whatever. And um, I was like, I, I got to hold off on this. So I, I, I had to confirm that it was happening. And then I posted it up and uh, on Instagram and Twitter and try to, uh, you know, talk to some baseball people and we'll get their opinion. But that was that was the day it happened. It was like July 29th of last year. And the Mets went on a huge, a huge run after that, which I don't think was a coincidence. I mean, they had one of the best top four starting pitchers in baseball at that point with the Grom, Syndergaard, him and, um, and Wheeler and Matt. Um, but yeah, I think, um, Marcus is ready to, to return to the pitcher that he was, what was it in 2016 when he, uh, or yeah, 2016 when he was one of the best pitchers in the American league. The shame is that he's a free agent at the end of the year. He's definitely going to get a hundred million dollar contract from what it seems. I mean, obviously the free agent, market is not what it was but it really only stifles the, the lower end guys he's definitely a, a valuable commodity he's you know um he's a top you know he's one of the 
on each team, let's say you're looking at like each team has, you know, let's say they break down their five starting pitchers on any team, he would be a top two or three guys. So that's oh, valuable. Easily. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, and those guys get paid. The ones that don't are, you know, the, the league average guys, so to speak. So he's not a league average pitcher by any means. I just don't think that he's, he's not the Mets ace, you know, DeGrom is clearly the guy. You know, if he went to a lot of other teams, I don't know if he's the ace. I mean, granted, he could go to, you know, a team that is uh, competing for the top overall pick. Like, let's say the Orioles, he's definitely going to be the ace. But he's not the ace on every team. So, um, you know, there's going to be a huge market for him. I think some team will break the bank and give him whatever the going rate is for a, a number two pitcher, maybe $18 million a year. I would assume he's going to get at least a, a five-year contract because he's 29, so that would pay him till he's 34. Um, and I think he's motivated enough where that money isn't going to affect him. I think he already has made money, you know, from his various endeavors. So um, he's this year hurts people like him because you only have so many uh, bullets in the arm, and he's 29, and, you know, I'm sure he wanted to throw 200 innings this year and, and win, you know, 15 games or whatever their value you know, I don't know what the starting pitchers value anymore because it used to be wins, but you know that's not the case anymore. So, he's definitely a guy that was going to go out there and throw and take the ball 30 times and and go six or six, you know, probably average somewhere between six and seven innings per per outing. Um, so it's not good that if they don't have a season. So for guys like him, it would hurt. It hurt the most. He's still going to get paid, but if you want to. You know, it's like he's building his resume right now. You want to you want to have uh, as your your work up to date as, it, you know, if you were going for a job, you don't want there to be any any gaps in your employment. So that's the way kind of impending free agents have to look at it. You know, same thing with Mookie Betts. You know, he's going to get paid, but mm-hmm. it's uh, it's not good if he doesn't have whatever. He's 27, 28 now. Same thing. You want to. He wanted to have a. He wanted to go out. I'm sure with 3.30 batting average and 35 bombs before he was a free agent. No doubt. And and with a great organization like Los Angeles, I think he would have been. He would have been great. Um. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's gonna. So so you don't think Strowman's gonna. You don't think the Mets will end up paying him? Or I mean, it's kind of hard to tell right now. But it is. But you judge by their track record. The Mets very rarely. Uh, break the bank for people and and like what they say uh, second generation contracts is what you call somebody that is not uh, it's not as going to be his first contract so the Mets very rarely pay for in instances like that you look at their history they paid Cespedes but they kind of got bullied into that by the fan base because there was going to be a revolt if they didn't (laughs) sign him because he had just led them to the World Series a year before Uh, they paid the Grom because they got in in an insane discount. I mean, DeGrom is probably the first or second best pitcher in baseball, and they got him for like $25 million a year. He, I mean, Garrett Cole has got thir- over $30 million a year, so there's no reason why they couldn't afford to pay him, and, and they did, but that was a very extreme case. And then they paid David Wright in 2012, and that backfired in a huge way. I mean, they signed him to a eight year contract and they got about a year and a half out of him. And David Wright was my hero growing up. So it pains me to say, but he had, that was an awful investment and he's still getting paid to, to not do anything. So they've given out those contracts and you can make the case that only DeGrom has been the good one out of that. New yeah, York. It, feel, it feels like the, the Mets are just a cursed franchise when, yeah, when it comes to their team. <laughs> oh, tell it's me about too it. bad, but 
Well, it's they the are. orange. In- it's the orange and blue though, because the Islanders signed Rick DiPietro for like a lifetime deal and got fucked with it. Yeah. And same thing with uh, and with same the Knicks. thing with the uh, the Knicks. They they always get fucked with their contracts. It's all orange and blue problems. Yeah. What summarizes the Mets is that even when like good when good things happen to them, like the pain shortly follows thereafter. I mean. They had the miracle run to the World Series, and the Royals of all teams, you know, put it together. The Royals have been an albatross since then, so basically, they just put it together just to beat the Mets. Um, you know, in 2006, they definitely had the best team in in the in baseball, and definitely the National League, in my estimation. Won 97 games, and an 83 win Cardinal team knocks them off to win the World to get then to the I World Series. Then I could close my eyes right now and watch. Uh, <laughs> Carlos Beltran looking at that strike three curveball. <laughs> I know. And that, that game, that was what was funny. I remember I was in like ninth or 10th grade at the time, and my uh, teacher knew I was a diehard fan, and he actually asked me if I wanted to go to the game. And then uh, I was like, yeah, I'll go. And then he didn't get back to me. And the next day he was just like, yeah, good thing we didn't go because that would have been that would have been depressing. But, yeah, I remember that season like the back of my hand because, I mean, I was in the, in the era where – I was old enough to remember and to watch every game, but I wasn't old enough to be going out and wanting to, and being distracted by other things like uh, mm-hmm. going out drinking and, and girls. So I was glued to the TV every night. So that was especially frustrating. And then the, la- the, year before, the time before that they were in the World Series, they run into the Yankees, who weren't even the best team in the American League that year, I think. They, had, they only won uh, 87 games. And... Uh, they almost collapsed in 2000, the, the Yankees did. And, of course, they, they put it all together. Um, I think the Mariners were the best team in the American League that year. That's when they had, you know, A-Rod and, and Ken Griffey and uh, Randy Johnson. And, of course, the Yankees find a way to beat them and beat the Mets in the World Series. So even when they have good years, it's just, it's you know, you can never get your hopes too high. For sure. Um <laughs> So if there is a season, it does say start around the 4th of July, I guess. What do you what do you think about their proposed plan to, of these realigned divisions? Do you think that you think it will make it more competitive and, and the shortened season as well, make it a little bit more competitive? I personally feel that for baseball, I think having a shortened season, I know like for diehards like yourself and, and maybe reality, it's probably it's probably not realistic to have a shortened season every year like this, but as a, as a casual baseball fan, I'd love it because mm. I think it would be a shorter season. You know, the games would be more, would mean more because there's, there's less games obviously. And I just think that, uh, you know, I think that and obviously if I don't, I, I don't know if they would ever stick with the realigned divisions. I doubt it, but like, I think, I think it's cool because there's a lot of rivalry games in there that you'll be seeing teams, you know, that are closer to each other in regions play each other, you know, constantly. So I think it'd be, it'd just be more exciting for the game altogether. I definitely think it would be more exciting for the game. I mean, in the 82 game season, I know Mike has talked about it, that, you know, the guys it would give them time to pursue other ventures that they have, other interests, keep their bodies fresh. So I understand it from that perspective. And yeah, I don't wouldn't mind shortening shortening the season, but cutting it in half I think would be extreme for the future. Um, so I mean, back in what was it uh, when Babe Ruth played when it was a 154 game season, you know that that that's more likely to happen than cutting it in half. I mean, they haven't made a, a change to the schedule since like 1961, and baseball is very averse to change, and they're even more 
adverse to, to losing money. So I don't see that happening anytime soon. But as far as the geographical region, I think that would be cool, especially getting the Braves out of the Mets division. They've tormented me for my entire life. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you guys remember, but the Braves won 14 straight NL East championships. That's never happened in, in any division, even the Yankees in there. Uh, prime never won 14 straight division titles. Chipper Jones, you know, absolutely oh. tormented me in my childhood. So who's the fucking them, pitcher? Yeah, getting getting them, oh. getting the Braves out of the Mets division and swapping them with the Pirate of all teams that I would know. be hilarious. Um, so I would like that. And actually, I don't, do you guys have the uh, the Athletic the membership to that? I don't. No. No, well, uh, like last year around this time, Jason Stark wrote an article that baseball was discussing potentially shifting to a geographically based because they're talking about adding two more franchises in the next few years. And it would be like Nashville and Portland, which I think would be awesome. And in, in that scenario, sure. they would do away with the National and the American League and it would just be Eastern and Western Conference. And I was intrigued by that. I'm kind of somewhere between being like the baseball purist and a new age guy because I love analytics and I love the direction that baseball's heading to in that. But I also am romantic about the game and I like, you know, the, the way it is, so to speak. But I definitely think that would be cool. I mean, shake it up. The only problem for the Mets would be they would have to compete with the, the Yankees and the Red Sox. And that's never a good thing. But maybe if it, maybe if it um, substituted some other teams out, like I said, I mean, we wouldn't have to face the Braves. You'd get the Orioles in there and the Pirates, so that could work in the Mets' favor. Um, and, like, it would get rid of probably the interleague play as, as we know it now wouldn't be a thing. So I definitely uh, am intrigued by that. And um, I think the other thing they had mentioned would be um, as far as the playoffs went, like it would alter how, how the playoffs went, obviously. I don't think they would have, like, you know, the oh, that's what it was, the wild card. The one thing that I would change also is they should adopt what college baseball does for the wild card game. So, like they have right now, they have two wild cards make it. They play one game, so obviously it's lose loser goes home. But in college baseball, what they do when it gets to like the championship weekend of the conference tournament, the lower seed has to beat the one seed twice, which I think is cool. So if the top team wins, it's over. If they lose, they get a second chance. I think that's fair. I mean, if, you, if you're, whatever, in baseball, if you're a 92-win team and the other team is an 86-win team, that's pretty substantial. Like, it's really not fair that one game ends at all. You know, I get the excitement, but, I mean, they could also sell more tickets by having an actual do-or-die game the next night. So that would be um, something I, I would be in favor of also. What about something that's aggregate, like two games with the score adding up? Mm, I don't know. That would. I it works well in soccer. That, they do that in soccer. Yeah. Oh yeah. The majority of uh, of the big time championship. Oh, like points and stuff. Uh no, I'm talking about how uh, they'll play two game uh, or they'll play two game uh, matches and the the score from both games will add up. So if it's three, if they if it's three one the first, and then it, it's yeah. a one one game in the second, it'd be four two. Nah, I don't like that because it would take the excitement out of winning a game. Then you got to look at the scoreboard and add it up. And especially if people are drinking, they're not gonna get. Who would want to go to the first game? <laughs> yeah, their brains are gonna be in a pretzel by having to add them up. So now I think, uh, you know, have the first game if if the number one seed wins it. I think they have the 
the right to move on because it's only the first step. You got to win. You know, you have to go to an LDS after that, a league championship series and a world series. So what's your, what's your opinion on the all-star game deciding who has home field advantage? I'm not, they actually don't have that anymore. Oh, it's not. Okay. I want to make sure. Yeah. They had it from 2003 to 2016. No, I thought it was stupid. It always okay. should. It either it either should rotate, which I think it does now, um, or whoever has the better record. Why not? I mean, why shouldn't there be some significance to a team being the better team like that? That's the what most you, common sense thing to me. What do you the think question, of right right before the uh, right before the All Star game? You leave time for one game, and then the best of each, uh, I guess, conference would play each other. And the winner uh, would determine it. <laughs> I don't know. That that's an outside the box theory. But my friend um, told me one, one time he brought that up, and like years ago. Um, yeah. I mean, the other the question becomes like, if they were to go back to the best record, wins it is all right. So then, what does the All Star Game mean? Why wouldn't mm-hmm. you know? Why would anybody want to be in it? But I don't know. I mean, it's not a meaningful game. So ma- making it meaningful is actually yeah. more Do a podcast. Yeah. Right. I think they should just abolish them in all all sports. Just get rid of the All Star Game. I think it's yeah. the most pointless thing ever. To, and no one, nobody watches it. I, I sure yeah. as hell don't. But for as for the playoff formats, I'm not a huge fan of NBA, NHL, or MLB because it's just. I think it's just way too long. I think the series, and, but I, I get why people are a fan of the series. I love football because you're in and you're out. You're one, oh, one yeah. and done, do or die. That's just how I, I've always liked sports. But like, yeah. I, I understand why in, in basketball, hockey and baseball, you have to go those, you have to have those series games, but I, I would just like the best. There's no, there's no question. Yeah. I mean, football, that's what every every sport would probably like to have, but you can't you know you can't sell people on on having a one game series and in four rounds. But the way football does it is just so cool because think about it, January is probably the most despised month when you think about it. Everybody has spent their money for Christmas, they've gained weight, and they're depressed and it's cold. And then all of a sudden, two days out of the week, we can forget about our problems and have fun, and it's. And next year, there's going to be three wild card games. I mean, I'm excited for that. That's going to be sweet. All right. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's going to be I, – I just hope and pray that there's football this season. That's all I – you know, I, I'm okay if we don't have the rest of these sports, but if, if there's no football season, I, I, I don't know what I'm going to live for. Well, the U.K. just approved the uh, Premier League, so you know that once they got the green light, you know, uh, Roger Goodell isn't going to take no for an answer. For me, it's just a matter of – how much will the football season be affected? I don't yeah. see a scenario where they're not going to play. These guys are money hungry and they're really smart and they have, you know, they align themselves with the right people. So, I mean, look at Trump tweeted, uh, put that video out yesterday to get the, the league started. I mean, you right. tell me that, you know, Goodell's not going to rally behind that. I just think that worst case scenario, they play it with no spectators. And if anything, that would favor my jets because they have to go to the West coast four times this year. So, if you tell me that they don't need to play an arrowhead with 60,000 lunatics screaming and, and in Seattle, I mean, this would be the year that it would actually benefit them. <laughs> Last game of the year, Saints got the Chiefs at home. I want that fucking shit packed. I want it packed. So we got to figure it out. I don't yeah. know what you guys got to do. Chiefs by three. Yeah, they need to figure it the fuck out. We, yeah, if, I, if you don't think... 
that the fucking saints are saying that shit to them. Doug, listen, we need to pack this bitch out. We can't be we can't be playing with no. This is this is everything to us. The Saints got to figure out a way to win the last game of the year. I'm, I'm, they're, they're my <laughs> NFC team, and I, I, I don't know. It's some combination of me liking Drew Brees and Alvin Kamara, and also loving the uniforms. I guess like they're, they're my NFC team, and the last two years, it just kills me. I had to see how they get screwed and by the refs. Last three years have been really bad, and I'm on a completely optimistic mindset for going forward. Our quarterback room's insane. Our roster's insane. Obviously, the fan base shows up every time. Now we oh, just yeah. got to go out there and do it with uh with number nine before he's out of here. So that's, that's the only thing I'm worried about. And I'm very happy that uh, we get to smack Tom Brady twice a year. And, uh, <laughs> me too. And, yeah, I know Kyle's looking forward to it too. Well, let me I, ask so Kyle, you're a diehard Patriots fan, right? I am. I am. What is – what's the – and part-time it seems like, yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> it, it seems like everybody's like, oh, he paid his dues, like he can do whatever he wants, but that's mm-hmm. fine. But then it kind of takes away from some of his mystique. Like you play 20 years with a team, like G, like there's a very rarefied air of that type of athlete. I think they should be held to a different standard. Jeter, Ray Lewis, Kobe, like, and Brady are the guys that they ironically they all came up around the same time too i think ray lewis jeter and kobe all were in 96 was their rookie years uh brady was 2000 but i think there's something to to stay in the course with your with your fan base i mean yeah i get it he wants to do what he wants to do maybe there's more advert uh business opportunities with the whole pompa brady thing whatever but like i personally would not want to see him succeed i see like way too many patriot fans that are like yeah, I want him to make it to the Super Bowl and we win. But what happens if he beats you in the Super Bowl? What is your mentality then? He's not getting well, there. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah, He's not getting there. This, I'm not, uh-huh. this is a hypothetical conversation. Not, not the hypothetical. He's not getting there. Not with that offensive <laughs> line in Tampa and that defense. Good luck. Well, yeah, uh, no. If we're being hypothetical, the Broncos will be there. <laughs> yeah. We got to play them this got year. Got some good receiving young receivers on on the Broncos. That's for sure. We'll see. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, go going back to what's that? I'm pretty sure that Saints play Broncos too. Yeah. Broncos yeah. playing Carolina this year. I'm like, woo. I, yeah, I'm yeah. Not, I'm not um I'm not optimistic about how this season's gonna go at all. I think, in fact, I think it's gonna be a complete disaster with Stidham. But um, as for Brady, um, I get it. You could, as you're a free agent, you have it's a business. You you have the ability to do what you want to do. I'm just a traditional fan, where in the sense that, like you said, if you, I mean, the the legacy you've brought to New England, why wouldn't you just end it on a on a high note? Like, why wouldn't yeah. you just the thing? And the thing that kills me is, I was like, all right, well, the Brady thing hurt. Then on top of it, Gronk goes there. And I'm, like, I'm like, you know what? And, and then he come, comes out like he had the whole. Tom Brady went in his backyard and hit the awooga. <laughs> I'm surprised Edelman didn't join along either. But yeah, um, and at the end of the day, it's it. just it's just uh, sports talk fodder. Obviously, nothing that we yeah. do is going to change anything. And and I'm just a sour grape uh, Jeff fan. But it just seems to me that if it was if I'm a diehard Patriot fan, I want to see him retire at the end of the year last year. Like if his heart's not in it. 
then retire. If your heart's in it, then do a one-year $33 million contract or whatever. They were going to give him the money, I feel like. So I don't know. Like, to me, that would definitely bother me, and it especially would if he goes out and has a great season because then it, you know, maybe it makes me wonder about Bilicek's uh, ego getting in the way of that relationship because, I, to me, there's no reason why he shouldn't have retired. He's 43 years old. How many more seasons does he have? Maybe at most right. two. Just give him the money for two years and then turn the page. It just seems like it just, it, yeah. yeah the, the, it the makes fans, no sense to me. It yeah. makes no sense to me because, like, he could have he could have just stayed here and Gronk could have unretired and just they they know that he knows the system. It's mm-hmm. just it makes no to me. It's like why of all places other than the marketing aspect why the fuck would you end your career with tampa bay i it just like it just it, but it they happened. did everything for him kyle it makes sense what do you mean yeah, they, they, said, they said do whatever the fuck you want with your brand we're gonna that's, we're gonna get everybody for you right and that's like exactly they, why he went because right. he, he knows that the red carpet was going to be laid out as opposed to here he's you know he's got nobody no to work with no they're not gonna intended. yeah they're not gonna pay people to i mean it's just it's All just I'll say is this: one other one other thought I have on it is just don't buy the idea that there's no hard feelings. There definitely is hard feelings when you talk about the level of competitor that Brady is. His only comparison is probably Michael Jordan in terms of that level of fierceness. You're telling me that in Brady's mind, he doesn't care how good the Patriots do this year. He does not want to see really? them go 13 and three with his nope. replacement. He wants them to get embarrassed this year because he wants to have, he wants it to be unequivocal that he was the reason they were so successful. If they win the Super Bowl this year, it diminishes his legacy. There's no question because it means that Belichick could have did it with or without you. He doesn't want that mm-hmm. to be how people perceive him. He wants to win the Super Bowl this year and he wants Patriots to get embarrassed. That's I just want. Patriot fans to realize that it's not oh, no hard feelings, <laughs> but I will, but I will add to that. Um, the reason why it's not completely hands down, not argued that the Patriots are going to be perfectly fine without Brady is because when they didn't have Brady, they did fine. You know, yeah, with Matt did. Castle, they did fine within the other two situations. They did uh, fine. I saw it just Garoppolo, the other day. Yeah. yeah. I saw it just the other day. So now I'm not saying that whoever they have there, who I have no idea who it is, is to the caliber of any of those guys. But yeah. my point is, is that the reason why it's not hands down, it's all Brady, not Belichick, is because of that reason. So they got to test it. And um, one thing that Brady hasn't done in the modern era, and again, with the circumstances this year, he might not, but definitely next year he will, is, like I said before, have to play an important game in the Superdome. Like yeah. that, that he's never done. He's 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 played everywhere. He's he played plays the Patriots whole. next year, right? Yep. Yeah, he's fun. Yeah, that'll he be one Patriots, of those games yeah. that people are that people treat it like the Super Bowl. The build up for that week will be insane. I mean, it'll be like when when Peyton Manning played the Seahawks. I think it was in like 2014 in the regular season that was kind of built up as like a, a pre Super Bowl matchup just because of how good of a season he was having. It'll be the same thing that time. I mean, the the takes that week are going to be hilarious with how serious they they like. I don't. I'm not going to treat it like it's life or death. But if you watch Skip Bayless that week and like Michael Wilbon, they will make it seem like it is uh, equal to a war. Oh no! Doubt. Like LeBron back in Cleveland for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the only thing that would make it that would trump it is if like if um 
if he tweeted something that week, if LeBron had like a hot take about it, they would have a whole segment just on his on his tweet. Well, about the game. You, you guys don't think you guys don't think Jameis Winston going back and playing Tampa Bay for the first time in the first week of the season is going to be monumental? From the bench. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious to see how he does. I mean, he gets he definitely gets it, uh, you know, his fair fair share of, of shit. But, um, you know, I think I think under the right system, he definitely could be, uh, you know, a winning quarterback. It's just and he got his eyes fixed. I mean, I definitely think there's something to that. That's mm-hmm. huge. If you um, can't see, I would imagine that that affected how many interceptions he'd thrown. And, and you saw that a, half of his interceptions were the linebackers. So I'm sure yeah. that had something to do with it. So uh, so I'm sure it also was a contingency when he signed with the Saints. So uh, that he got yeah. that done. Uh, Kyle, you got anything else for him? No, I think that's it, man. I just I appreciate you coming on here and talking some sports. Always good to, to shoot shoot the shit, even though there's not much sports going on in right now. But uh, yeah, uh, like I said, let's just hope there's a football season so we can we can talk and hopefully more. Yeah, we, there's some more sports coming before then. There's always something to, uh, to talk about, though. I mean, we could have even just we didn't even really talk about the Jordan documentary, which was just I haven't night, watched it. But that's why I, I haven't mean, either. Yeah, I oh, haven't you gotta it. watch it. Come on, boys. I've heard I've heard oh, about it. But. I know, I know. Well, I don't oh. want to get too deep into it or ruin anything, but I mean, I think it's at the perfect time because there's nothing to talk about, and enough time has passed now where like the people that live through it are like, oh shit, I forgot about that, and the people that haven't seen it need to see it because I mean. Like I mentioned, Jordan and Brady have that same type of type A personality, and arguably they're the only guys that are that at that level of, of uh, competitiveness. I mean, and anybody that, in my opinion, that trashes Jordan, I just think it's comical. And I'll just say this briefly because I know we're running out of time. But number one, they don't realize that athletes evolve in general over time. So, yes, if you put – Babe Ruth against today's pitchers, he's going to strike out every time. But that doesn't diminish what kind of accomplishments he achieved in 1929. Right, he, right. he had to go up against the competition he had to go up against. It doesn't mean that uh, it didn't occur. It's just that things change over time. It's the same thing in the NBA. Yeah, you can look at Bill Lambeer and say, oh, uh, LeBron would have wiped the floor with him. But Lambeer probably would have had access to the same supplements and the same weight training program if he was alive, if he was playing in 2020. So to me, that argument doesn't make sense. And then when you watch the documentary, you see that there were superstars in that era that people don't give credit for. I mean, watch how good uh, the 1995 Orlando Magic were that had Shaquille Mm -hmm. O'Neal and Anthony, Anthony Hardaway. He had to go through that type of team. The Pacers with Reggie Miller, he had to go through them. Um, Carl Malone and John Stockton. Uh, before that, Charles Barkley and his son. So it's all relative. It's you know you can people will use the stats however they want to you know use it in their advantage. But it just rubs me the wrong way when people just diminish someone's accomplishments. And 30 years from now, someone will come around that is the next LeBron, and there's going to be people that are your guys' age that are saying. This guy couldn't, you know, wouldn't compete against against LeBron, and it's it's gonna continue to happen over time. But I don't think that it should affect one legend's legacy because you know people are too young to to understand it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's well put. Um, well, guys, we haven't had a sports episode in a while, and I'm happy that we finally dedicated one. And Vin was here because you're one of our biggest sports minds that comes on here, and it's always oh, thank uh, you. 
it's always interesting to uh, chat with you. And um, and I'm from Long Island too, so I get to talk to another uh, New Yorker, which is lovely. Uh, yeah, man, right up my alley. I appreciate well, you guys having me on. I love anytime you want to do it. I'm here to chop it up. Take your uh, take a few minutes and uh, plug your social media so people know where to follow you, and then give any message you want to get out there or whatever you want to say, bro. This is this is uh, your stage. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I'll say is my, you know, my company page, if you guys want to check it out, Access Baseball, A-X-C-E-S-S underscore baseball on Instagram. That's definitely our number one platform. Um, and the website is access, A-X-C-E-S-S baseball.com. So even though there's no season, I mean, I've definitely got creative with ways to get content. You know, I have thousands of photos from the last couple of years. So I've been doing like the on the date on this day in history. Excuse me. To, to fill the time and the last like two weeks I've been doing uh, online voting for like the best offensive season in Long Island history um, or at least of the decade. So that's gotten a lot of followers because a lot of the kids that were like in the early part of the decade that didn't know who I was, they've, they've checked it out now and they're, they're curious to see how they stack up against kids from this era, which um, it's really the only thing that I can do to stay relevant at this time. Otherwise, It'll be out of sight, out of mind. So, right. you know, desperate times call for desperate measures. I mean, I could sit on my hands, but I gotta, gotta keep keep the social media impressions up. So that's what I've, what I've been up to. Hey, real quick. Know. Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. No, Steve. go ahead. Go ahead. Go. No, I was just gonna nothing. I I I kind of just wanted to get one r- real quick uh, mm-hmm. thing from you. Um, what is what do you have as a record for now? That the NFL schedule's out. What do you have as a record for the Jets? Because right now I got the Pats sitting at one, one and fifteen, and that, <laughs> and that one, one wins against a split against your Jets. So wow. Uh, well, I'll say this: I think Patriot uh, fans are underestimating Belichick a little bit. I, I think their floor is probably ten and six. I think their ceiling is probably twelve and four. But for the Jets, um, I have them going six and ten because their schedule is awful. Um, I really don't like the idea of going to the West Coast four times. Um, even the teams that they're facing that didn't make the playoffs last year are pretty good. So I think they can actually have a worse record than last year. But I think it will make me optim- what will still make me optimistic is that um, I love the general manager. I think the guy Douglas is definitely brilliant at what he does. He built the Eagles Super Bowl team and he studied – uh, under Ozzie Newsom, the Ravens GM. So I'm very confident in him, and I like that next year he's going to have a draft to to supplement this team. Um, you know, when you look at what his draft was this year and the free agent moves, he built the offensive line, which was the Jets' number one complaint. The Jets fans' number one complaint was that the the offensive line was god awful. It was yeah. the thirty, I think, like the thirtieth or thirty first overall and the wide receivers were 31st overall so you have a young quarterback throwing to no receivers with no time that's why Donald hasn't been able to um, take that next step so what I'm excited for is that next year assuming that the offensive line is in place now they can go get his weapons now you know uh, get a get a number two opposite of Denzel Mims draft Le'Veon Bell's replacement and then I'm really confident about the 2021 uh, team so I'm you know this year I think they're definitely gonna struggle because I think we're, schedule, we're gonna be fighting for uh, third place between both of our teams I know <laughs> what scares me yeah what scares me is the Dolphins getting Tua because I really didn't want him to get him 
I mm-hmm. thought they were going to take the conservative route and get Justin Herbert um, mm-hmm. because I think he's the safe, like he's got a higher floor, but he's definitely got a lower ceiling. And then I was, I would have been happy with that because I don't think he's a, a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Whereas Tua, like I thought as a, as a, a franchise, like the Dolphins that always screw up, I thought they were going to be like, oh, we want to stay away from him. And then he would have thrived with an, the next team that, that picked. Um, so I'm not happy that they that they have a potentially franchise quarterback for the first time since Dan Marino. <laughs> and their defense is good. I mean, they, yeah. they have our number for sure. So um, I, I think they're all, I think they're going to be a lot better than people think. And obviously, Buffalo looks like they're a legit playoff team. So it's yeah, gonna, they are. It's going to be a weird year. I but uh, thanks for coming on, man. I I, t- I appreciate uh, you pleasure. taking the time, and uh, you know you're always welcome on. Yes, sir. Hell nah, I ain't sleep today, but I'ma be okay Miss my family on the east, but fuck it, I can't leave LA Every meeting that I be in, trust me, I just leave the way I fuck three times before three today Piece of cake, never gave a fuck about what the teachers say Cause either way, I'ma just do me and she said me too I say Sivu play, walking out the club with me and TMZ is out here Ain't no secret safe, that's your girl, why she in my section? That's your girl, why she doing role play, going both ways like an intersection? Stole it like an interception. But you could have a back, she asked a million questions. Yeah. Like, like what's next? What's that? What's up? Yeah. I just want chill, drink, smoke, fuck. Damn, that body goes as fuck Somehow you hot as hell But still cold as fuck You know the deal, you know what's up You ain't the only one Let's stroke, talk to me Let's get it Everything I see up in my head just comes to life Got my day ones rolling around with me on every single flight Yeah, that's right, that's my life Spoil everyone that's with me Made it rain in Vegas with the MVP, JD, no whiskey And lately I've been stressing because I just miss my family They see the smiles but never the pain and all the success they see Allegedly some stereotypes I don't like about my height Trademark HDMH for life Yeah, that's right, so I copyright Prove them wrong, prove myself right Cloudy day, smile so bright 14 lifts, 7 days, fortnight Yikes, I can't lie I've been on a mission To make every single doubter Eat their words up in their kitchen Yeah, my vision is to get it while I'm living I'll keep winning Legendary comeback, ACL incision Yeah I've been doing great, I guess I can't complain I don't think by yesterday Every move is calculated This shit ain't no guessing game Only time I'm second place is when I'm at my second place Make 300 and double that I guess you call that second base How many come-ups till it's destiny? How many come-ups till it's meant to be? Them talking, that don't get to me. That ain't shit to me. Same dude, different dream. This is me. This is me. Ain't nothing pretty but her face. Money hungry, nothing skinny but her waist. Uh, she come from money, but she spent it on her titties and her face. Uh. If you really wanna know, these women, man, they come and go. Yeah. One minute she's the one, the next you really never know. Yeah. 
Chill, drink, smoke, fuck. Yeah, cause goddamn that body dead goes as fuck. Somehow you hot as hell, but still cold as fuck. You know the deal, you know what's up. You ain't the only one. Girls these days, these days. Girls these 